0: Welcome to The Breakdown with James Lankford, where Oklahoma Senator James Lankford discusses policy issues in Congress. Thank you for listening today. This is The Breakdown. This is Senator James Lankford from Oklahoma, back with another episode of The Breakdown. The Breakdown is the opportunity to take some of the big issues of the day, break them down into smaller moving parts quite frankly, to make you the smartest kid at the water cooler at your office, if you get to go to the water cooler safely at your office anymore. Uh, But our goal is that all the hard issues that we're talking about all have individual parts. And the more we understand those individual parts, the better it makes us to be able to actually solve some of the challenges that we have together. Obviously, the big issue of the day right now is race reconciliation. And what we're doing is a country in the area of race. Now, we've come a long way in 400 years in the issue of race in America but we clearly are not done uh, with the issue of race in America. Uh, Race relations and the conversation about race continues to be able to bubble up all over the country with peaceful protesters and some violent uh, protests uh, that are out there across the country, but a lot of family conversations that are also happening about race. And that is where I really think the national conversation for race really should be, is among families, because race is not something we can pass a piece of legislation and solve. Race is a heart issue, and it's a family issue. And it's a community issue of who you put yourself in community with and that makes all the difference in the world i mean in the past weeks we've talked about george floyd as we should talk about george floyd we talked about brianna taylor and ahmaud Aubrey in oklahoma we've talked about Terrence crutcher in, in tulsa we we've had some of these dialogues in the past but we're seeing more engagement now in a national and quite frankly international conversation than we've seen in a very long time It's not been that long ago, just 99 years ago, that in Oklahoma there was the largest race massacre in American history that occurred in Tulsa, Oklahoma from May the 31st to June the 1st of 1921 when a large group of white protesters and rioters, uh, they moved into the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they burned the Greenwood district to the ground, killing up to 300 people destroying uh, just thousands of businesses and homes and lives all through that area. Now, almost to the day, 99 years later, uh, there's large-scale protests uh, that are happening around the country over the death of George Floyd. We in Oklahoma have been part of the problem in the past, but we've also been part of the solution in the past. Uh, I go back to times like when Clara Luper in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and on, was not only teaching school, uh, but she was leading youth in peaceful protests and sit in. Uh, what Clara Luper led at Cat's Drug Store in 1958 changed the shape of the entire United States and sparked the sit in movement. Uh, in two days' time, uh, they, uh, Clara Luper moved Katz Drug Store and all their chains from having segregated lunch counters to opening it up in all of their stores all over the place. Uh, But that wasn't just a two-day time period. We forget Clara Looper for a year and a half, had been writing letters and engaging with Katz Drugstore, saying you need to be able to open up to all races to be there. Uh, Clara Looper had intentionally developed a relationship with some of the leadership of the Oklahoma City Police Department, so when they did the peaceful sit-in protest, the Oklahoma City Police came and watched the protest, but they did not push back against it. So her example of how to be able to do peaceful protests, how to be able to engage, how to make a difference, how to be able to push through the process, was a spark for the entire country in this movement. So in Oklahoma, we've seen the problem. We've seen leaders that have rise up and been part of the solution. Uh, and so we, But we also see that we are not finished on this issue of race. So today's conversation is a conversation about race. And I brought in a friend of mine, Pastor Clarence Hill of Antioch Community Church in Norman. Now, uh, Clarence and I have known each other for quite a while, uh, but he leads the Stronger Together movement, which he formed in April of 2014. That movement and that organization seeks to unify leaders, doers, community advocates, make change together, uh, That things that can't be done when we're apart. He brings people together to be able to sit down and have hard conversations about the issue of race and to be able to determine what is the next step to be able to resolve this. Uh, Clarence has been married to the beautiful Alicia for almost 22 years now. He and I were just talking about it before uh, they got married on July the 4th, which I think is a fabulous day to declare your independence and dependence. Uh, and they got four gorgeous children uh, together. And so I'm glad to be able to bring in uh, Clarence, my friend, uh, to be able to talk about this and to be able to engage. If you want to know more about Clarence, he's out on Facebook. Clarence, I'm going to have you tell where where they can find out more about you online and on Facebook. But welcome to the conversation, Clarence.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And Senator Lankwood, it's great to be with you. Um, we love you and Cindy. <clears throat> Ever since you guys came to our home, and we actually had our own dinner table conversation and had a chance to hear one another's stories, um, I have the utmost respect for you. I love how that you have uh, chosen to spend time investing, even in the Tulsa area, which you, of course, don't publicize much, but uh, I can share it. I, I love the fact that you are committed the stories and you're committed to, especially the, here hearing the Tulsa Race Massacre story, get out there. Um, but before I forget, if you'd like to, to reach me, you can follow me on Facebook as we begin to release more materials, uh, lessons that we've learned, like the Dream clock um, on how to get into the future that we've been reaching for for so long. Um, I can be found at Clarence Hill Jr. OK on Facebook. Clarence Jr. OK. Uh, you can also reach out to us at StrongerTogether.global. But enough about me. I just want to thank you for having me on. And I think we're in such a crucial time right now. Myself, I have been flooded and inundated with people who are saying, all we know is we want to be a part of the new tomorrow. We want to be a part of the change. And after having served in this conversation for over six years, we do have a multi-ethnic group of people who work together across wealth classes, and it's growing. And I'm just excited about the fact that even though we have to taste the bitterness of tragedy and the pain of this one, even myself personally, it was very painful to see the George Floyd situation, the great hope is that uh, something special is happening, happening in Oklahoma again.
0: We we are we are standing up to be able to engage. And I think it's a declaration to a lot of people that the issue of race is not done. I, I've heard people say, we've elected a black president. We have black billionaires. We have black leaders in sports and in Hollywood. Uh, we have black leaders in our community. We have elected uh, officials. We're done with the issue of race. And I always smile at them and say, oh, oh no, we've made progress. But we're not finished in the issue of race, and there are some very obvious ways to be able to see the disparity and the disequal justice at times and to, to see the issues on it. But what you have done has been really interesting. You have not just talked about the issues which need to be discussed, but you put together some very concrete steps, both the Stronger Together movement to try to be able to bring people together to say, here's how we move, and then also this fascinating way that you've actually broken down the race issue into very practical steps what you call the dream clock. And I'd I'd love for us to be able to focus in on the dream clock and to be able to get this idea. So tell me where this idea came from and what is the clock?
1: Well, we have a belief that the more unity that we have, the more we can impact our city And hard conversations where we've seemed to hit a wall repeatedly for years. I have a background in helping marriages and families. And having done that for over two decades, one of the things that you have to to almost master is listening. And you've got to have some personal disciplines and rules when it comes to listening. And uh, like there's that old problem that says once you hear the first person make their argument, I mean, you're you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why even listen to the next person that's about to say something? But boy, when you hear that counter argument, uh, it puts a different light on things. I think we're at a juncture in history where it's going to be crucial for those of us that are in this conversation, especially around race, that before we say it's time to be done with the conversation, uh, let's make sure both sides are saying that. Uh, Because usually uh, there's one, oftentimes there's one spouse, uh, a lot of times it's the offending spouse who will be like, hey, all right, that's enough. That's enough talking about. Let's just move on into tomorrow. Uh, I think the greatest future that we can have is working together and valuing one another and valuing one another's contributions. So that's what the dream clock is all about. The dream clock is just a simple process where you go hour by hour answering very simple and specific questions uh, so that we all can be a part of that great dream that Martin Luther King was uh, putting before all of us. He called it the brotherhood of man, a space where everybody flourishes, everybody works together and, we judge one another by the content of a, of our character instead of skin color, yeah. and uh, it's, it's it's possible, and we've seen the the fruit of it.
0: Yeah, it's not only possible; it it, it is occurring in many places and in many individuals, but it's not occurring in all. And so there's a, there's a nudge for all of us to say that this is not something to be compelled. As I mentioned before, this is not something that can be legislated. It has to be a decision that people take to take intentional steps to be able to move through a process and to say, where am I and where is my family in the issue of race? What I love about the Dream Clock is you help people put some handles on that. So let's talk through this. How do you get to 1 o'clock? What what is the beginning of this process?
1: Okay, so 1 o'clock you answer a very simple question. This is who are you referring to when you say us and ours, especially when you're looking at leadership and you hear someone say, we want our children to flourish. Um, the question is, in policy and in practice, does that include the children who don't have strong representation, the children of Oklahoma City Public Schools, where they're 70% minority? Does that include everybody's children? So who do you, who are you referring to when you say us and our? <laughs> and even for people of faith, when you're praying, you know, when you're praying for us and our, who's included? Okay. I have to use an example of the palace. The palace is uh, the best example we can use that all of us. Uh, who are in the majority or in the minority, we all have palaces. And what a palace is, is a group of relationships, and sometimes even our geographical space where we live, we seek to be around people that have a shared background, shared experiences. We seek to be around people where, if I say just a few words, you can understand more, versus being in spaces where it takes a whole bunch of words and you get far less accomplished. So we like We like familiarity. And with America's history, that familiarity will typically leave us in a homogenous world where we're around the same skin, skin color and the same wealth class. So the first thing we do is self-locate. Uh, who's our palace? Who is our us group? And then who is the them group? And one of the things we say is give me 10 quick adjectives to describe your us group. Now give me 10 quick adjectives to describe the them group, and you start to see the problem right from there.
0: Okay. That's a great way to do it. Let's let's move on to 2 o'clock.
1: Okay. So once you describe the us and the them, of course, our goal is not to stay there. We believe in a simpler equation that says shared value plus shared vision equals shared victory. Now, today we have several spaces of divide. Sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's ethnic. Sometimes it's the have-and-have-not have-not. What we want to do is to begin to create spaces where people who have shared values can go after their uh, dreams together that will make a difference for our community. But we just simply say uh, 2 o'clock is showing up. Uh, Before you show up, look in the spaces, the gas station, the grocery store, the places of entertainment where you go. Um, A lot of times you may find that that world looks just like you and your family, skin color and wealth class. But there probably are others from a different ethnicity in those spaces. So step one, just start saying hello. Just start greeting people. I love the idea and the culture of the people who value the person that's serving them at McDonald's, value the janitor that came to the restroom, and seek to look people in the eye and just say hi. A greeting is powerful, and it goes a long way, especially in an, with an incident like a George Floyd, where there's a curiosity, where there is... A, moment of uh, increased distrust and pain, boy, it's just a simple greeting can tell someone, hey, I acknowledge you, I welcome you, I see you, and if need be, I I, I hear you. So greetings are powerful, but showing up says, let's find ourselves in some spaces where we're the minority. Let's get outside of our homogenous world. And this is so crucial because the world that we're entering is a very diverse world. And uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn. There's a lot of things that we can value from other cultures and other ethnic groups. Hmm. So that pushes us to the 3 o'clock, which is discovery. Discover shared values amongst people that don't look like you.
0: So how, Are you ready for 4? I, I am. Well, I'm always ready for 4 because you know 4 is, is my favorite. That's how we met uh, was 4. But right. the, the, fir- the first one, 1 o'clock, is really more introspective. It's me thinking about what do I think about when I think about us and them, and then you start doing active something you need to do: greeting people, showing up, trying to discover those shared values, taking uh, taking a next step beyond just saying hello, trying to be able to start some dialogue, and then we get to four o'clock. Uh, again, we're 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 back to an action step here. Go ahead.
1: So four o'clock is coming to the table. So, when I ran into you outside of the Oklahoma State Fair. <laughs> And we met. Now, we had known of one another. Of course, you're easier to know. Um, when we ran into one another, and I made the invitation for you to come to the dinner table, uh, first of all, you acknowledged me, so there was the greeting, uh, but also the, the uh, answer to say, hey, I would love to come to dinner. Uh, we were able to come to the table and find ourselves in a space where we could um, share stories. Now, the power of the table is simply that if I invite you into my home, that's communicating something in the first place. I'm saying I value you. I see you as an equal. I want to hear your story. But I think if we put it against the backdrop of American history, we can see how even more important that is. You know, we had sundown towns. I live in a former sundown town. I think it was around 1975 when Norman. Uh, was no longer a sundown town. And for those that don't know what a sundown town was, basically it was saying to blacks, be out of town before the sun goes down, and the understood was or else. So blacks were welcomed into the communities in a lot of positions of labor, uh, but they were not welcomed in in a social context nor to live. I think it was George and Barbara Henderson who was the per- first resident who, since, uh Dr. George Henderson is still a professor at OU to this day, but his family was, was I think, possibly the first resident to move in. And, of course, he has several stories of, of that experience. But we also talked about Sarah Luper and the sit in They were sitting at tables to be served. And there's something powerful about the table. So when we open up our tables in our homes, to me, we, we move past sundown towns. We move past being served in restaurants. But now the thing that I think will change culture is when we remove the sundown sign from our dinner table
0: -hmm. yeah it's one of the things that uh, you and I talk about uh, when we met uh, first time actually physically meet each other and heard about each other um, before that time period because I was working on something I called Sunday Solutions It was something I started about five years ago just saying to people has your family ever invited a family of another race to your home for dinner have your kids seen A family, uh, kids of another race sitting at your dinner table and a whole family having conversation as peers, as equals, because kids learn by watching more than hearing. And if they never see a family of another race in your home, they'll always think, well, there's probably a problem there. There's a reason my mom and dad never had a family of another race in our home. And it's an interesting conversation to have with people when I ask that of people of all races Uh, That will say to me, no, I I have friends of another race and I will always smile at them and say, that's not what I asked you if you have friends of another. I asked if anyone's ever crossed the threshold of your door of another race to come and sit down and have a meal at your home, because there is something very powerful about that conversation. And it doesn't have to be a conversation by race. It can be about football and the weather. But it's just interacting with people of another race in your own home. It is, as you talk about coming to the table, uh, that is an exceptionally significant moment. And what I've found for a lot of people that they'll say, well, I don't have an issue with race in my family. And I ask that question, has anyone ever been in your home of another race to have a meal? And they say no. But then they go do it. They take this, what you call the 4 o'clock time period. They take that step. They find, you know what, there was something there that I had not really addressed in my own life. And they, and they suddenly have a breakthrough moment personally. And it's a significant moment for what I've interacted with several people that have said, I had that kind of breakthrough moment and realized I want to keep going on the issue of race. So if they get to yeah. 4 o'clock and they do that action, where's 5 o'clock? Where does it go from there?
1: Wow. Give me just a couple of seconds <laughs> to talk about the table. Because a lot of times when I have this conversation, some people think I'm just, going after the majority. I'm going after white. But for me, it's, it's I, I trust leaders who know their black spots. I'm, I'm more scared of leaders who have assumptions and say, no, I don't have a problem there. I'm telling everybody I have a problem in this area. I have my own palace. I have my own world where I have a group of people that have shared experience and shared background with me. I enjoy that group. I enjoy being around that group. It's fun nodding at someone that's a perfect stranger and having shared experience, even if we don't talk about it. So I come to the table and I get the, the uh, opportunity to learn and even my expectations get changed because I have inherited beliefs. I have things that the world that I grew up in, um, it, it motives my thinking. It, it produced assumptions in me. And one of the best stories I can tell is um, we went to the home of a, of a former senator in Oklahoma And he was sharing with us uh, his story. And I never expected this to come. I'm thinking he's wanting to hear what we've been up to. And he ends up telling me a story about his own life and family and uh, a cousin of his who was murdered because she had married a black man. And, um, you know, people see the George Floyd emotion, some people's face, the anger, the bitterness, the pain. Um, But here I saw this man. Uh, speaking of an incident that had happened 30 years earlier, and he was carrying a pain, you know, that was, we would have thought it happened the week before with the pain that was in his voice. Hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how often he has imagined what it would have been like to have his nieces and nephews over who would have been the children from that relationship, but that was stolen from him, and he was carrying that pain. I'm walking in there, not even thinking he understands my pain and my story. But the dinner table gave me the opportunity even more to recognize that we have allies of different ethnic groups. And I'm the one out here championing the message, Hmm. but um, there are still blind spots that I have. So going on to 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock is finding a guide. Hopefully you come back to the dinner table like you said. But the next phase from 4 to 8 o'clock is what we call immersion. There's just something that cannot be taught uh, through listening to podcasts and lectures and reading books, which we do encourage. Read books from different authors, learn from poets and uh, movie writers and and those who are creatives who come from different ethnic backgrounds. Uh, Raise that value system. so One day, go into a community and serve uh, in areas outside of your homogenous world, but have a guide. Because all of us have this, this belief system in us. When we see another community, when we see another ethnic group, we have opinions about one another. And the question is, why do you believe that that community is not succeeding? And most people who have ever given their time to go into communities of poverty, one of the first things that happen is you get wrecked. Hmm. You begin to meet people who are giving everything to see a change and a difference, but they're using all the resources that they have. And oftentimes you find people who are working 10 to a hundred times harder than you are, and they make your problems look small. But when you have a guide, they can say, Hey, here are social things that are accessible. Hey, when you say this or that, I know you meant to say this, but here's how they heard what you just said. Right. Or, Hey, you tried to build a relationship with that person over there, but, um, when you said X, Y, Z, or when you use this example, this is what it triggered. So having a guide, having someone who can be a friend to you. Uh, like for me, I did not grow up around uh, uh, white and uh, wealth. I grew up around white, but we were all kind of this middle class together. So I didn't understand uh, that world. So I have friends that I will ask. them, am like, hey, so who said X to me, what in the world are they, are they trying to communicate something I don't understand? So that's what a guide
0: is. Yeah it's it's that somebody that can interrupt it's someone that can interrupt you, jump in your life, and has permission to do that, and loves you and trusts you enough to know I know you want to know better. Uh, I think I've told you the story that early on when I was in Congress, I used the term states' rights. Now the the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution talks about the responsibility of the states and the states' rights. Well, I had a black friend of mine that pulled me aside at one point and said, let, "Let me tell you what I hear when someone says states' rights." And I was shocked that what I was saying I thought was constitutional he was hearing as a racist Civil War connotation. But he loved me and trusted me enough that he could say, I know this is not what you mean, but your words are not lining up with your thoughts on this. And I have not used that term since then. Uh, it was extremely helpful, but it, it was exactly this concept to say, I need a guide. I need someone that can help me hear th- something from another point of view because that's not what I want to say and not, not who I want to be, and someone I can also ask the dumb questions of and say, I don't understand, uh, that loves me and trusts me enough uh, to be able to answer my question.
1: Senator life. I I I can I, I need you to start a university because <laughs> I don't know many people who who even understand that. But I want to own this one also because I've I've sat at tables before, and it was so hard sometimes to be in spaces as a black leader, and um, either whether it was people not understanding how to communicate with me or being uncomfortable or, you know, wanting to talk about basketball only because I'm Hmm. 6'7", you know, there would be spaces where after a while it's uncomfortable enough. And a lot of women can relate to this where, you know, it's a woman leader, She's in a room around a lot of males and she can feel that she's nearly invisible. Hmm. And so I have friends, you know, being a bridge builder myself that I'll say, Hey, I'm in this room. I'm already, I'm ready to be done with this group. I said, but if you tell me it's more beneficial for us to get to where we need to go for me to stay in this room, I will stay. I said, "But, but according to how I see life, according to what's being communicated to me, um, I am giving too much of my time to, to gain so little uh, progress. And that's when a true friend, someone who you build partnership with, someone who understands what you're going after can say, look, it's just ignorance. No one, it's not personal. I think you should just hang on just a little while longer. So I've learned to benefit from someone else's sight, to learn from others. And that's what it takes to get through the dream clock, because this is where we run into walls. So when you have a, a leader say something and they see a great part of the population rejecting what they said, and they know, I said that with all sincerity, I tried to reach out, I tried to say X, Y, Z, but having that humility to hear from one another and having that guide is a way that we protect ourselves um, in the process of building a community that can walk and work together.
0: Yeah, it's a great it's a great gift to have that. Now we're going to run out of time in a hurry, so we're speaking of clocks. We're gonna we're gonna to have to get booking through this. Uh, I'm I'm going to ask you at the end of this where people can go to be able to get all the details of this because the great thing about the Dream Clock is you can kind of evaluate where you are personally on your own journey because it begs the question: Do you have a guide? Is there someone that's a close enough friend that you trust enough and they trust you and know you enough? that you could have that kind of conversation because for some folks they would say, you know, I'm friendly to people, but I'm not friends with anyone and I don't have anyone in my life that it with an ethnicity is a guide, whether that be in the Asian community, whether it be African-American community, whether that be in the uh, Latino community, uh, wh- whatever it may be, uh, it's finding some of those relationships that you know that you're going to keep going deeper on. I, I want to finish out the clock cause got to get to either noon or midnight, which way are we headed towards.
1: <laughs> That's great. Um, Let's say noon, that just tells me we'll finish on time, so we'll shoot for noon. So six o'clock is entering community, and this is a great targeting question that says to us, what competency gives us the confidence to make or support decisions that influences communities, you know, outside of our us world? So some of that is what I would call cultural humility. Well, I recognize, I understand the principles that I believe to govern, are things that are going to help lead us forward as a society, but there's still the question of how does it impact the people group? And so immersion gives us the opportunity to learn more and to be around other leaders who can interpret and say, this is the best form of what that looks like in our community because of our social structures, because of the way we think. Seven o'clock is about being a connector. Once you do immersion, you begin to recognize that you, uh, you have people of shared vision, who don't, who are not from your palace. Now you found shared values and shared vision with a different group. And you're like, my goodness, I want some of my us world to meet some of these leaders because they have the same vision. So you begin to be a, a connector. And so the question is, what part are you playing in bridging the divide? What groups are you bringing together based on your own immersion experience? Eight o'clock is called partnership. This is another level. A lot of times uh, wealth is divided in communities, and a lot of times people don't get to the point where they want to be identified with one another. But I believe that dynamic partnerships between ethnic groups is what's going to get us to the tomorrow where we need to be, where there's a mutual respect, a mutual honor, and people walk together as equals. So um, who's your partner from a different ethnic group? That's the question for 8 o'clock. 9 o'clock is celebrating values. You know one of the things uh, that will drive us towards home is when we begin to celebrate values and virtue over celebrating wealth and power. So um, it's not thing against wealth and power, but when a partnership is created, there's something that you celebrate. So celebration is what molds culture. Is. And if we begin to celebrate uh, one another, celebrate our values, uh, we create uh, a new world, a new space for our children uh, to enjoy. If, if they see us, having great relationships, laughing with others in our homes, of the different ethnic groups, then our children, children will have that value also. Um, creating platforms is 10 o'clock. So the question is, now that you have this uh, relationship with a partner that doesn't look like you, the question is, what platform do you create together that you could not achieve apart? So once these dynamic partnerships between ethnic groups begin to happen, we can now reach exponentially more than we could by ourselves we say create platforms together now you can really make change the dangerous thing is that we in a George Floyd situation like if you would have called me and we would have never been to the dinner table Senator Langford we would be doing photo ops or tokenism right now I would be on this call endorsing you from a distance but since we've had relationships we've been at the table um, this is more of a partnership, and now people that I know say, "Oh my goodness, Senator Langford understands our story," and so now we can reach a broader group of people because we've gone through the process. But a lot of people, when a crisis happens, they'll create a panel, they'll create a talk, and they'll jump to ten o'clock. But then there'll be more frustration because after the crisis is over, there's no call, there's no relationship, there's no partnership in the communities where they're struggling. Mm. 11 o'clock is to shift the narrative. Now that you have a partnership, you can change the story, you can change the song, uh, just across a broad spectrum. And then at 12 o'clock, you share your story as an invitation to others to start the dream clock path.
0: Simple. You can do that like in an afternoon, right? Just easy, <laughs> move, from, move from 1 to 12. It, it, is, it is a process, and what I love about the dream clock is is that it? Is it gives you pragmatic steps to say where where am I on this journey of developing relationships across ethnic uh, boundaries, and to just say where where am I personally, where is my community, where do I go? So if they if they want to see this visually, obviously you've done a great job talking through orally on it. If they want to see it visually, where should they go online?
1: Okay, so we will have a website up soon, but we just need everybody just to begin to sign up, and you can sign up on our uh, StrongerTogether.global website. Just go ahead and leave it in the comments that you're interested in the Dream Clock, and we're building out a, <coughs> excuse me, a waiting list right now. And uh, we've just got several people who have a high interest, and we've got a whole team putting this in a in, in website form right now.
0: So StrongerTogether.global? That's right. Okay. That'd be the place to be able strong to go together. to it. Global. Yep. So that'd be the place to be able to get the information on this. I It, it is... Um, It is remarkable to me as a nation, after 400 years of our history, and in Oklahoma of our 100 plus year history as a state, that we're still working through this basic process of just humanity and of your neighbor and of people around us that we live through. But it's not something that happens accidentally. And quite frankly, when I look uh, uh, across the world, most countries in the world are not trying to deal with race. That's why the George Floyd murder is sparking not just protests here, but we're watching it all around the world as people groups around the world are rising up in their country and saying, we face the same thing here, but those countries have not wanted to discuss it. There are many parts of the world that if you're racially one direction or another in ethnicity in that community, you don't have access to the courts. You don't even have access to police. You don't have access to anything. You're you're isolated from the rest of the community. Uh, and so it is remarkable that we have started a journey that the rest of the world, many countries have not even begun again. Uh, and I watch, uh, as you and I have talked about before, I watch the entrance of the Olympics uh, every couple of years when the Olympics start, and you see the teams march in under the flags. And most countries, everyone around that flag looks the same. You get to the American team marching in and you realize, oh, there's great diversity of the athletes. And that's what America looks like. And you you see the intentional work to be able to work towards that. I mean, it was just 50 years ago, black athletes uh, in Mexico City were raising the, the fist of black power and making a declaration uh, but we are still at that point to be able to work through the process uh, as a nation of getting to what the Bible calls uh, equal weights and measures, that everyone is treated the same, everyone is treated fairly uh, across the community, regardless of your wealth, your background, your ethnicity. Uh, it is equal treatment under the law, as we would call it in in our United States culture. So, Clarence, yeah. I, I can't thank you enough yeah. uh, for doing the work that you're doing. You got any final statement for our wrap us up?
1: You know, I, I, I do. You know, 9 o'clock is that celebration piece, and I love how you just brought out the fact that the American group was the one that was diverse. And it's so important. Celebrating virtues at 9 o'clock is reminding yourself of who are we? What's our identity? I think Oklahoma can be that shining light. Out of all the tables I've been to, even when it comes to the conversation of race, a lot of times, it's not always intentional. It's just this blind piece that you never get past unless you have relationships. But we are the people, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about these things born out of Oklahoma, right? You know, we had Black Wall Street, you know, the most Black millionaires per capita before that massacre took place in 1921. Imagine what uh, Black Wall Street would look like right now, 100 years later. We're the ones who had Clara Luther in the 1950s that birthed the sit in for the movement. But even more recently, the character of Oklahoma, um, you know, we've got these words like resilience and the Oklahoma standard from the Murr building bombing to more tornadoes. To me, if there's any group of people who can cross this racial, ethnic bridge, it's Oklahoma. I think it's our opportunity to be a light to the whole nation and to be an example of what it looks like to walk and work together. Yeah.
0: Could, could not agree more. We are absolutely in the right spot to be able to take the step, but it's up to individual families and individuals to say, I'm going to take the next step. It's not something we do as a state. Right. It's something individuals in the state choose to do. Uh, So, Clarence, thanks again for your work. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on right now, and uh, I very much appreciate uh, you and the work that you continue to do. Please pass on our love to Alicia and the kids and uh, continue to be able to do the great work that you're doing. If you want to be able to follow uh, Clarence, uh, what is the the Facebook page again they can get that information on?
1: Clarence Hill Jr. OK on Facebook.
0: Clarence Hill Jr., okay. And then uh, if you want to be able to follow us as well, uh, you can always do that on all the social media platforms at Senator Langford. Uh, my website is lankford.senate.gov, uh, and you could subscribe to the breakdown uh, at Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all the different major uh, platforms to be able to subscribe to this podcast. We've had a long conversation. This is the longest, I think, breakdown we've ever done. And for those of y'all that have been with us through the whole journey, uh, thanks for being a part of this journey. And uh, let's continue this process together and uh, find out where you are on the dream clock in your own connection with race relations and see what you can do to practically and intentionally take the next step to the next hour in this together. So God bless y'all. Thanks. We look forward to continuing this dialogue again with the next podcast and the breakdown.